1: And we're pleased now to be joined by the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, Kevin Adams.
2: Hey, guys. How Hi, you Kevin. Doing? How, are, how you? are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Steve? Good. good.
1: Here okay? All set? Yep. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. No problem. We know a, a busy week for you. Um, we know, of course, because it's trade deadline week. Um, can you maybe start off by just maybe pulling the curtain back a little for fans? Like, what is this week like for an NHL GM? How much time will you be talking with others and other teams and... Um, I mean, how many teams do you end up talking to? Is it all 32? Is it 10? Like, how does how does the week play out for you in terms of what you're doing to maybe try to get some deals done?
2: Yeah, well, th- this week, uh, a lot of the uh, legwork's been done leading into the final week. You know, for me, it usually starts about six weeks before the trade deadline where you talk to every team in the league, every manager. You kind of explain where you are. They're talking about where they are now in saying that there's so much change that can happen week to week teams are on the bubble they're out they're in you know so that can change your strategy but um so you start to build conversations over the over those weeks and in some teams you kind of break off where you know what they don't think there's really a match there or maybe it's something that hey i like that idea but it's an off-season conversation and other other teams things start to crystallize a little bit and you continue to work so this week's more um narrowing your focus um and this is a you know this is the time of year where um, obviously, in our situation where we are, you have the unrestricted free agents that teams are checking in on. Um, we talk about core players that we have here. When teams call, it's my job to listen. You know, I know there was some rumors that we're shopping. Casey Middlestead, that's absolutely not true. I couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but, okay. of course, I take the phone calls, and I am right. And I have to look at everything. If there's something that we think going to improve our team, then we'd be open to it. Um, and then I've also made the league known that uh, – hey, we have, we have picks, we have prospects, we want to do everything we can do to make our team better. But in saying that, this time of year isn't the easiest to make those type of deals either because if there's a player on another team that we really like that has term, the other team may not at this time be open to giving a, you know, taking a pick or a prospect or that kind of deal. So that's the challenge of it all, but um, it's busy. Uh, the phone stays on 24 hours a day. Even what probably fans don't realize is that, even if you end up not making one trade, you're you're constantly leading up to the trade deadline on the phone, um, making sure you're involved in every conversation. I'll have our staff that's out of town on the pro side and the management come in um, in the next couple of days. And I'll, I'll go to Toronto, but I won't go to Nashville. I'd like to be kind of here and hunker down a little bit. So like, that's a little bit of the next uh, five
1: days. How, I was going to say, before we get into to players itself here too, how much of that, you said, pre-planning, pre-conversations have already had going into this week, uh, how much of that, I guess, continues going forward to the point where, like, hey, we have to go back, we have to meet, is this the offer we want to accept? Like, I know you obviously talk about others on your staff that you want to bounce ideas off of. Or can something simply develop on the day of the trade deadline that maybe a trade just occurs over the course of maybe, like, a half hour's time? Yeah, that, that, that can't happen. I mean,
2: the big lot of these conversations, you're definitely you're going back to your staff. They're going back to their staff. I, I'll bring in the Donnie or the coaches, or maybe you're doing due diligence. Maybe someone else in your organization knows this player, has come across this player. So those are conversations that are happening. But absolutely, uh, Asplen last year happened you know within the last couple hours before the deadline and yeah. you know Nashville was looking for a player and, and I wanted to put him in an opportunity so those things can also happen and deadlines are deadlines for a reason it creates it creates urgency and that's why you see those kind of flurry of deals happen.
0: Maybe a little further on you know hockey trades you know not a lot of them were made this week oh, and other weeks in past years I mean why is that I mean you've done this for four years now why is it mostly the guys who have expiring contracts, and not a lot of hockey? It's not impossible to make hockey. Day. There are a few, but why aren't there many as many? Do you think in, at that time?
2: Well, it's a it's a good question. I think part of it is if you look at from a hockey, just a pure hockey trade standpoint, you're giving up something that you like, right? You don't you don't give up good players for nothing. So mm-hmm. now you're getting something you like, or you wouldn't make the trade. But it's like at that point in the season is that the right thing to do for your team do we trade out a forward for a defenseman or you know what i mean and so sometimes it's like yeah i like this concept but i'm not ready to make that deal now or or it can be as simple as man we're a bubble playoff team and i really like this hockey trade but i don't think we have enough depth at this position or those type of things so i think that creates challenge money is a huge challenge i mean that is a massive part of our business right now um, where teams are just Hey, we really I really like this idea, but I'm gonna end up taking on a million dollars and you're right up against the cap and that just it squashes a deal, unless you can find an extra team to get involved. So it, it, it becomes tricky for sure. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why.
1: And with that, there's so many teams now that are still alive. I mean, if you literally go through mathematically like who's out, I mean we're talking maybe single digits in terms of a handful or less amount of teams. So all these teams not only are you trying to, as you said, make trades that help you now but also in the future i know that's a line that you've always said that you're looking to do if you can check both boxes at the same time you're in favor of that but all these teams are still either in the playoff race or in a playoff position so i'm sure that makes it extra challenging yeah exactly that
2: creates the huge part of it because a lot of teams are you know are right on the edge and some some managers i've talked to are like we're not sure until the day before the trade deadline if we're which way we're going and yeah you know, i liked what you're talking about but we're not there yet check back with me in four or five days you know so that that plays a role in it and you know in the situation we're into with the unrestricted free agents you know i've had those conversations with our guys i've sat down face to face with every one of them had honest conversations spoke to their agents as well just to make sure that we're all on the same page because you know it's People don't understand. And regardless how long you've been in the league, this is an emotional time of year. No matter what stage of your career you're in, um, it just creates that stress for everybody.
0: You've, since you've been here, you said you want to get people who want to be Buffalo Sabres, who are good human beings, and are good for the community. You've done that. I've met these guys. I've talked to these guys on a daily basis. Does that make your job harder? I mean, obviously, you like these guys, and as I said, I've met them. They are good guys. Yeah. I mean, does that make it harder? I mean, you've got to do what's best for the Buffalo Sabers, but does it still make it harder?
2: Uh, I don't
0: think so, Paul. And the reason
2: I'd say that is because, um, in this job, you have to you have to make difficult decisions, and I actually talked to the players about this. Um, Face to face, they say, "Look, I-, I care about you, and I'm going to get to know you as people, and and we're gonna we're gonna learn about each other, and we're gonna be in this together." But at the end of the day, I have to do my job and what's best for the Buffalo Sabres organization. If that means making a really tough decision and moving on from a player, that's what I have to do. And I feel the reason. Of course, it's hard, but. I also think that the players trust me and know that I'm being honest with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so much of this job is having difficult, challenging conversations with players. And, and, you know, in I think, though, when you have that trust built up, they know you're coming from the right place. And I'm just very direct and honest with our players. Um, I just think that's the right way to treat people. And, and I do think they appreciate that. And you've
1: got three veteran players that kind of fit the mold that Paul Hamilton just brought up. The good character guys, two of them wear letters for your team, and that's Kyle Oposo and Demis Gergensen, and also, of course, Eric Johnson kind of fits that mold, too. You brought him in to be a leader and good character guy in the room. Those three players have all, of course, been mentioned and seem to be obvious candidates to maybe be tossed around here at trade deadline time. Uh, How struggle is it for you to maintain that balance of maybe the wishes of where they want to be next versus what is ultimately the right decision for your club to get the most out of what move or no move could be? Yeah,
2: it's it, this. I would say this year is unique because I've had other years where we've been in a position with unrestricted free agents, but it hasn't been necessarily captain, assistant captain, fifteen-year uh, veteran guy that we brought in to be a leader, which he is and has been great. Um, that's why I said, you know, I've had I've sat down had honest conversations. I want to. I'll keep those conversations confidential because you know that's. That's important, but what I can promise you is we're aligned. They understand exactly where I'm at. I understand exactly where they're at, and we'll do our best. And at the end of the day, what I've told all of them is um, it's important to communicate, but I'm always going to do what I have to do for the, for the Buffalo Sab- Sabres organization. Um, but in saying that, when you have someone like a Kyle Poston and Zemgus Skurgensen have meant so much to this team and this community, you, of course, take it's part of it, you know, and I think you want to make sure you do the right thing for them
0: uko pekka and it's interesting when i talk to people over the summer they've made up their minds why are they keeping them get him out of here whatever and my, I, my answer was always i have no idea if he's going to be a number one goalie in this league but you don't give up on 24 year old goaltenders you just don't uh, uh Allmark was 26 years old by the time he became a, a, a number one goaltender so in the case with Lukanen, why does it take, or Omar, marker, why does it take goaltenders longer to develop like that? And you you got to stick with it. Yeah. when Maybe it's not looking good. you got to stick with it because you just don't know when it might kick in like it has for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's all position
2: certainly is um, tricky with trying to predict exactly, you know, when a player will start to kind of take off. Um, but you're right. Goaltenders, it's, it's, it's the toughest position. You know, you're uh, – the experience, the reps, the shooters in the league, getting comfortable with that. Um, one of the things that I've loved about UPL and over the last couple months is his his calmness, his confidence, his like his demeanor, his his swagger is in a good way. Meaning he's he's earned that. In the feeling that our players have in front of him, I've been on teams where you have goaltending like that, and you're just like as a player, you're like, okay, you know, you know, you're gonna make a mistake here and there. You get bailed out, and you're gonna score the other way. Think of last night when they tied it up. Made it 2-2. He makes an unbelievable backdoor save, and, you know, we go the other way, and now we t- pretty much dominated from that, you know, save mm-hmm. forward. So, you know, I I, I said this um, last summer, and I'll say it again, goaltending is a very, very tricky thing. It's There's a lot of variability to it. Um, there's very few guys that year in and year out are just right at the top, but I felt we were in a position of strength in the goaltending, and I said it last summer because I really believe we have two very young elite talented goaltenders that you need to just work with and and mike bales has been saying this for over a year to me that Oopy's coming he just he's, he's coming trust me and so um it's those are all things that are that are positive but it's been a huge thing for our organization to have Oopy step up and and do what he's done here since uh you know i i've liked his, his season as a whole but especially since january 1st
1: how about devin levi you mentioned the goaltenders just can give everybody an update on what you think his progress has been in Rochester. He's getting to play a lot, which I'm sure you're happy with.
2: Yeah, you know, I I, I think what's important for fans to know is when I met with Devin after the Los Angeles game when we were out in California, um, we didn't send him to Rochester for it was it wasn't performance based. You know, he of course he had some ups and downs, but he had some unbelievable games, and he's been having he was having a solid rookie season. You know, and. I looked at the calendar with our staff and looked at the Rochester calendar, and they had 12 games in 23 days, I think it was. We had a stretch here where we didn't have a lot of back-to-back games coming up, and we felt Upe could kind of take the ball and run here the way he was playing. We felt that we could get a lot of starts and minutes for Devin in in a condensed time, which is exactly what's happened, and he's been great. He's playing really well down there, and I love the fact that he's in a tight playoff race too so right now every game feels like a playoff game in Rochester and he's having to kind of take that on uh, which obviously is the same thing that UPL is doing here.
1: How about a couple other Amherst players to mention about you know, the top prospect names that we hear you know Kulik's at there, Rose others um, the predictability of thinking okay what could they look like at the NHL level at the same time right now their value is high we have trade deadline this week again um shaking that balance Kevin of like how how can you really determine ultimately and predict what it's what would they look like in a saber sweater for a full season versus maybe what their value is that could get you something that you know is a guarantee sort of that in terms of maybe some somebody that's playing in the league right now yep so yep. What, it's definitely it, well no yeah. it's a balance and i think what's important
2: the way i look at it is if you go back three years ago, we really had to build up the assets in this organization. We did not have a lot of prospects in the pipeline. We didn't have a lot of draft picks, frankly. We had to kind of build up our our assets, which we've done. Now, as we move forward, part of our next phase of this is being willing to uh, move a pick, move prospects or, you know, multiple prospects to, to get solid NHL players that can help you today. You have to be willing to do that. Now, it's hard. Which, which one you know how do you know that's a tricky part that's our job but i what i will say part of that discussion is also tricky though this time of year because if i'm talking to a team about a 27 year old established you know veteran hockey player that's got you know term on a contract for a top prospect they they might be open to that in the summer, but not as much now because they don't want to lose that player off the roster. You know, so that's the kind of the tricky part. And I've been in all these conversations. I've been in conversations with teams with highly publicized players that are going to be either have been traded or are going to be traded, and some of these players have trade protection too, and they haven't um, been willing to come here and candidly that's uh, that's on us you know our record isn't isn't good enough um you have to be at the the top of the standings to get players and that are that are that high profile to want to come to uh stanley Cup's contender and they have those rights so that's all the stuff that we need to get better and improve on
0: i know we're getting to the end here i just wanted to get bring up one more thing every single time you have talked about the fans of buffalo it's with passion you have passion for this area and these fans it's gotten a little crusty in here at times and I know that the players really, really got upset when they were blaming Don Granado for that Columbus loss and not them, and they said so. I mean they were they were be, they were really upset, and you know they had a couple of games where they didn't acknowledge the fans and everything with the passion that you have for the fans, did you go down there and talk to them about that and, and, and say, "Look at whatever you might have said to them?
2: Yeah, I don't want to get into exactly." What I what I said, and some of these things are important to really just keep within your room. But mm-hmm. I, I
0: think I think what's important for fans
2: to know is we understand we have a very passionate fan base, and we understand there's a frustration um, that dates back now quite a number of years. We get all that. What what we also understand is that we have to hold a bar under the bargain and play well at home and win hockey games. What I love is the last two games have been the best two games of the year in terms of the way our fans have reacted. The Carolina game was awesome. They were into the game. They were mad at the refs when they made some tough calls. <laughs> they were getting the guys excited. Yesterday was another one where it went from 2 nothing to 2-2. There wasn't one fan booing they were they they knew like okay we need we need to push the guys we need to go on that that is such a critical home ice advantage that i know that we're capable of having here and that's what our players want so it i want to have a team that our fans love and, and i want to have the fan or the players that love playing at home you know it goes hand in hand so mm-hmm. what i can focus i don't want to get into what's said or wasn't said but what i can tell you is the last two games have gotten our players pretty excited, and I think after those wins, you saw the way they reacted, and that's uh, that's what it's all about. But
0: that's good, and I, I, I knew you probably but I just wondered if you did have a conversation with them about that because you've been these people. I yeah. mean, when you were younger, you've been here, and I I think every single time when you talk about fans here in Buffalo, you do it with passion.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, you, you guys know me well enough that um, I sat in the oranges with my dad and, uh, you know, Watch Gilbert Perot play, and you know, have such a appreciation for this city, this this fan base, um, this organization, and you know, it pains me to to not have our players feel that love and feel the energy from the crowd that I know that can happen here, and and I'm and I'm having the on the other side, the feeling of I know our players need to deliver and back up what what we need to do to make sure that we goes both ways. So. Um, I'll leave it at that, but I think this place can be pretty special. I can tell you, too, I played in here as a player where I thought the roof was coming off, and, uh, <laughs> and I want that feeling for our guys.
1: Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. I know you're going to be busy this week, so good luck.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks me. so much. Take Appreciate care. it. Thank awesome.
1: you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.